Welcome back to another transformative episode of the Superhumanized Podcast. I'm Ariana Summer, your guide on this journey toward longevity, optimized health, and extraordinary living. We tackle a range of subjects, always aiming to unlock the keys to a life that transcends the ordinary. And today we're diving into an arena that has an enormous impact on our well-being and success, leadership. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. We are incredibly fortunate to be joined again by an amazing repeat guest, a global authority on this subject, John Gordon. John is a prolific author, consultant, and one of the most sought-after public speakers in the world. With over 28 books to his name, including 15 bestsellers like The Energy Bus, which has sold over 2 million copies, John has shaped how leaders from Fortune 500 companies to professional sports teams think about positivity, resilience, and success. John's latest book is The One Truth. As John says, the one truth is that our state of mind, the thoughts we think, the words we say, the life we live, the power we have and everything we experience is ultimately influenced by oneness and separateness. And as we learn about the unseen forces that lower our state of mind, separate and weaken us, and the hidden power that elevates our mind, unites and strengthens us, we will see life through a new lens. Think with more clarity, confidence, and act at a higher level. Join me and John and get ready to soar. summer and I have passionately dedicated the last 12 years of my life to creating the ultimate human experience mentally, physically and spiritually based on the most powerful ancient teachings and cutting edge modern discoveries and technologies. The Superhumanized Podcast is a show committed to sharing what I have learned from the world's leading experts in order to help you achieve your full potential and create your best life ever. John, welcome back to the Superhumanized Podcast. It's wonderful to have you here again. Great to be back with you. It was, I remember our last conversation, we talked about faith and oneness and took a deep dive into the realm of spirituality. I actually got a lot of great feedback from the audience. So what we're going to do today, though, is we are going to talk about a topic or topics that you are really world-renowned for via your countless best-selling books, via you being a speaker and basically an advocate also for living your best life. So I'd like to start this conversation, John, with your definition of success. How do you define success and how has your definition evolved throughout your career? Dr. David Jeremiah said this, and that's my definition of success. It is success is the fulfillment of God's plan for your life. Mm -hmm. And so what your plan is and living up to that plan and fulfilling that plan, to me, that is a success. It's not climbing up the wrong ladder. It's climbing up the right ladder to where you're meant to go to. So you get to the top and you're happy you're there and you're impactful while you're there 
and you made a difference along the journey. That's the key. Beautiful. That resonates very much with me too, John. I'm curious. You are, of course, now at what most of the world would consider the pinnacle of success. When you were at an earlier stage in your life, what was perhaps holding you back from seeing the high levels of success that you're seeing now? That's such a great question. I don't feel like I'm a success. I feel like I'm just getting started. I feel like I'm just beginning. I feel like there's so much more work to do, so much more of an impact to make, so many ideas that I need to share, so much work I still have left to do to get to a higher level, to grow. And so I see myself as a student who is always learning and growing, getting better. And then as a teacher that is teaching what I'm learning along the way and, and, and how I'm growing along the way. But what held me back on my journey was definitely fear of not being enough, fear of failing, of wanting to be successful and striving for the success and trying to do it all myself and focus on myself, not others. And the process, I'm disconnected, I'm isolated, I'm separate as I talked to you about in the last talk, and then I'm miserable in the process. So it was definitely my fear. My book, Training Camp, is about that, what the best do better than everyone else. It's about the character that has to overcome his fear find his faith to become all that he's meant to be because he's got this fear that is holding him back. And I hate when people say, oh, so-and-so is scared of success. I think I'm just scared of success. No one is scared of success. We all love success. We all want to be successful and we love what success produces. We're scared of, we're scared that we don't believe we deserve the success, that we're unworthy. That's what it comes down to. And because you feel unworthy, you then have to be a perfectionist and you have to strive to be perfect so you can get your validation and recognition that will give you then this identity of you're somebody and something. And yet you have to realize without all that performance, with all that success, with all those outcomes, you are who you are. And that is what's important. It's not about the outcome. And so we have to realize that it's unworthiness that's driving us to be a perfectionist. For some people, the unworthiness makes you actually don't do anything and you retreat and you're lazy and it looks like you're really lazy, but actually you're just very fearful. Mm -hmm. So it takes you two ways. You can either go towards the unworthiness side of fear, not doing anything, or the unworthiness side of, I'm going to turn my fear into action and then keep on doing stuff so I can actually feel like I'm worthy. Mm. And when we become so perfectionist, I think it's really important. It can of course, get us somewhere. It can be rocket fuel, this desire to feel worthy. However, I think it's really important to also find joy. And what really strikes me about you is it feels to me like you've, you're someone who really puts a great focus on making a difference. So it's not just about empty status symbols, whether it's the, okay, you sold another million books. In your case, you sold millions and millions of books, or whether here's another house, here's another accolade. You truly care about people and making a difference in their lives. And I think that's also a key to what you shared a few minutes ago to truly feeling successful. So it's not just the things that come from the outside, but living from your inside out and feeling fulfilled within yourself. I wrote this in The Carpenter. You aren't a true success unless you help others be successful. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes you feel successful when you help others and you are impactful to others. 
Yeah, I don't get excited about more real estate and buy real estate. My wife loves to invest in real estate and we've been doing that. It's a great way to turn income and ordinary income into wealth generating assets. So I think it's important to develop wealth and we do that, but I never get pleasure or excitement by getting another piece of real estate or investing in real estate or, oh, I had so-and-so returns on my investment. That doesn't give me joy. That's a means to an end to be able to do what I need to do to be able to make money and then use that money to make an impact, to live a life, to be able to go on vacation once in a while. But I don't even go on a lot of vacations. <laughs> My wife and I did not even really celebrate in a big way our 26th anniversary or our 25th anniversary because we were so busy working, doing this work. She's working. She's speaking now. I'm speaking. Our daughter's speaking. We are more about making a difference, leaving a legacy because at the end of the day, you can't take the stuff with you. You can't take the house into the coffin. Doesn't fit. <laughs> can't take the money into the coffin. We're all going to die. So guess what? How you want to, how do you want to be remembered? That helps you decide how you live each day when you know how you want to be remembered. Making a difference is one aspect of your beingness that's really struck a chord with me. And uh, something else is that your work centers around the power of positivity. I would like to learn from you because this has such a big this is such a big pillar of what you put forth into the world. Can you share some insights into the science behind positivity and why it's such a potent force in driving success and also well-being? Positivity is a competitive advantage. Optimism is a competitive advantage. Research from Duke University shows that optimists work harder, get paid more, and are more likely to succeed in business and sports. And what they found was that because these optimists believed in a brighter and better future, they took the actions necessary to create it. It became a self-fulfilling prophecy. What we believe so often determines what we create. I can go to education and we can look at teachers, a school that has collective teacher efficacy, which means they believe that they can impact a student's life or a student's lives because they believe it. The research shows the students actually achieve it because they believe in these students. Those students wind up producing extraordinary outcomes. Think about that. The belief of a staff is the number one predictor and factor in the student learning and success. Mm -hmm. So our belief matters. What we believe matters. What we believe we create. And the research shows that positive leaders are better able to garner the support of their team and move them in the right direction. Positive teams outperform negative teams with more positive interactions versus negative interactions. We know that. We know the power and impact of positive communication. Relationships are stronger when there's love and support and encouragement versus negativity, bitterness, and division. A divided team becomes weak. A united team becomes very strong. And so a lot of my work is around helping teams become stronger, helping leaders become better leaders. And a big part of this leadership work and teamwork work is belief, is our belief as a team, our optimism, our positivity, how we stay positive through the challenges. The collective belief of a team, the collective optimism is the result of each person's individual optimism and belief. So you got to feed yourself every day in order to feed others. Because if you don't have it, you can't share it. But this is not Pollyanna positive. Not about seeing the world through rose-colored glasses it's not about Pollyanna saying, oh, just get over it. Oh, that's no big deal. It's okay to say this is tough. This is challenging. We're going to know we have the power to overcome the thorns. 
And we're not going to ignore reality. We're going to maintain optimism, belief, and faith in order to create a better reality. And that's the power of real positivity, of real optimism, real belief. This is also what you talk a, a lot about this also amongst other in your book, the power of positive leadership. And you discuss this idea of a high state of mind. So talking about positive leadership, what are some key characteristics of positive leadership and how does it differ from traditional leadership approaches? We shouldn't have to even say positive leadership because if you're a leader, you're naturally should be positive. If you want to be a great leader, you should be positive. Leadership is a transfer of belief. <laughs> so right there, you're transferring your belief to others because you believe in your team. They believe they can accomplish more than they ever thought possible. So that transfer of belief is essential for positive leadership. Obviously, positivity is a part of positive leadership. Having grit and mental toughness is a key part of positive leadership. But so are relationships. I've got to build great relationships to be a great leader. So I've got to communicate. I got to connect. I got to commit. Mm -hmm. I got to show I care. And when I'm doing those four C's, I'm building a stronger relationship. And then because I have a stronger relationship, With each person, I have now built a stronger team. So I create that connection amongst the team because a team that is not connected won't be committed. Mm -hmm. If you want to be a committed team, you must be a connected team. So positive leaders work on developing connection one-on-one -on -one with the people they lead and developing a connection amongst the team members that to help them perform at a higher level. I had to do that today. Like my team is not communicating. Guys, we've got to communicate better to be a stronger team. So my job as the leader Is get to them is get them to communicate in a better, in a, in a more efficient, more productive, more positive way. And if they're not, guess what? It's my fault as the leader. I've got to accept that. I've got to own that. Positive leadership is also about love and accountability. We have to hold our team accountable and our people accountable to the standards, to the culture, to the values, to the principles. Got to set the standard. This is what we expect from you, but this is what you can expect from me. So the accountability piece is here's the standard. But I'm going to love and support you and encourage you along the way as you work to meet the standard. But if you're not meeting the standard, I got to talk to you about it. I got to show you the discrepancy between the standard and what your performance looks like. Coaches do this all the time. They show players the tape. They show the players the tape. Here's what a great play looks like. This is what your play looked like. This is what a great play looks like. This is what it doesn't look like. Let me show you the difference. And you got to do that ongoing with your team. Here's the standard. Guess what? You're not meeting the standard. It makes leadership so much easier when we can actually lead to the standard. And so leading to the standard and, of course, also positive, being positive, bringing a positive culture into a company, into a space, into relationships. I often hear from people when we talk about success, especially within business, that one of the toughest things they have to deal with is negativity within a team, whether it's individual members of the team or the company culture. So you said that positive leaders confront, transform, and remove negativity. Can you walk us through this process, please, and maybe illustrate it by a specific example? Yeah, this is a great example and a great topic to actually end on as well in our conversation because every great leader must focus on the positive but also weed the negative. The mm -hmm. biggest mistake leaders make is they allow the negativity to persist. Mm -hmm. And it exists. And then eventually it will sabotage your team. One person can make a team, but one person can break a team. So we must weed out the negativity. We must deal with the complaining. An effective rule for that is the no complaining rule. The no complaining rule says we're not going to allow 
complaining to sabotage our team. We're going to have a no complaining rule that says you're not allowed to complain. But if you want to complain, then we want to hear it, but you must bring a solution. Hmm. So no toxic complaining, no mindless complaining, but complaints that lead to solutions. Okay. Bring us your complaints, but not inventing, not just toxic complaining, not just mindless complaining. Bring us a real issue. Bring us a solution so we can start to work to actually rectify it, correct it, improve. Every complaint is a catalyst for a new idea, a better way of doing something, and it leads to growth. So use complaints as a catalyst. Also energy vampires, negative people on your team. One person can't make a team, but one person can break a team. So you have to make sure you address the negativity that exists, especially that energy vampire. You do it at the cultural level and you say, we're not going to allow negativity to sabotage this team here. No energy vampires allowed. Again, if you're going to be negative and you're sabotaging the team, we're going to talk about it. We're going to share it. We're going to make sure that you understand what's going on. And we see, you now have to see, because you may not see it. If an energy vampire cannot see their reflection in the mirror, they also don't like the light. So if you got someone who's really negative, keep building that positive culture. That person will most likely get off the bus themselves because they don't fit into the culture. Mm. A lot of times you have to, you have to kick people off the bus, but you got to keep on making sure that you're focusing on the culture, the positivity, Keep on building your strong foundation. The more you do, guess what? The weeds and the negativity cannot grow if you're always filling your area and your environment with the positive culture and the positive communication, the love and accountability. That so often will make sure that the energy vampires don't come about. Beautiful. And also, thank you for sharing this practice about the positive or constructive complaining. That's really brilliant. John, for people who'd like to learn more about you, you you put so much forth into the world, your books, and it's it's just incredible. Your body work. Where can people connect with you? They can go to johngordon.com, J-O-N Gordon.com, or Twitter, Instagram at J-O-N Gordon11. I'm also on LinkedIn and love connecting with people. Feel free to reach out. And if we can ever help you and your organization develop a stronger team and more positive team, and also develop your leaders. We do a ton of workshops on that positive leadership, positive team workshops. And that's my biggest work is doing all of that. I do speak to a lot of companies and conferences and organizations. And my new book, The One Truth, where I'm helping people become more one instead of disconnected is a totally different game changer and a different kind of mindset, different kind of book, but it all fits in and explains why these principles actually work. When you understand that a united connected team becomes one and that makes them powerful, and a team that becomes separate and divided becomes weak, the one truth makes even more sense. Fantastic, John. I'll make sure to put all of that also in the show notes. Thank you for joining us again. It's always a pleasure and very enlightening to talk to you. Much gratitude. Great to be back. And I always appreciate your questions and your interviews. So thank you. Superhumanize. Accelerated evolution. Evolution. 